welcome back to Or Else, a podcast where I, Amanda Alexander, interview current fellows, alumni, and business leaders and entrepreneurs in the Indianapolis area. I'm very excited for today's interview because it's with a current fellow in our ranks. This person was one of the first I met after moving to Indianapolis, and I have since learned how amazing she truly is. If this were live, I'd probably ask you to give a round of applause to our very own Kelly Smith a second year or fellow and our current chief of staff. A little background on Kelly. She is from Rochester, New York, went to Notre Dame to get her degree in English, go Irish, and now she is a fellow working at Sigster, an email signature marketing company located downtown on the circle. I found it a little hard to interview Kelly compared to everyone else I've talked to so far. And it's not because she was unwelcoming or adamant about not answering my questions. It was simply because I knew quite a bit about Kelly already. So I asked her to answer me this. What is one thing many people don't know about you? She had three answers for me. The first one, she can ride a unicycle. I can ride a unicycle. <laughs> really? <laughs> Which is just fun. That's awesome. I've never. How I, long? Have I you... haven't ridden a unicycle in like three years, but it's like it's, you gotta have a go-to fun fact, fun weird thing that That's you can awesome. do. That's awesome. When did, what made you want to learn to I, use a unicycle? My for my twelfth birthday, my parents gave me a unicycle. Like I never expressed interest in a unicycle. I never asked for a unicycle. My parents just gave me a unicycle, <laughs> and I was like, well, this is a challenge. Clearly, I have to learn how to ride right. it now. And so I put on hockey's like pads, pads. And knee pads and a helmet and I would go out in the front yard and try to learn it forever it was literally just I think my parents know me that I I can't turn down those things like I'm like well, I have to learn how to do it now and her first fun fact dovetails perfectly into her next one she's super competitive do you think that's followed you in adulthood is I'm that... so annoyingly competitive like I want my I I want myself to tone down it's bad I was just playing like it's it's not cornhole I don't even know what it is there's this weird bag toss game on the sales side and I was playing it with um some of the guys with Matt who's uh-huh. an Orfellow here and I just like I I, I just want to win <laughs> I like don't I, I don't you care that much but I'm like I, I want to be good at it like I don't like I want to be able to to sink it and stuff like that and yeah, I was in a competitive cornhole league with Andrew Eisenreich. That was uh, quite an thing. experience. Oh, yeah, it's a thing. We're in the Midwest. It's a thing. I, I just, yeah, I'm a competitive person, which is really annoying sometimes, and I try to tone it down. But, and it's just the stupidest little things. And I get that from my dad. It's the stupidest little things. It's like Scrabble. It's like, it's, you know, shooting hoops, like cornhole, euchre. The dumbest little things that don't matter. And I'm pretty even keeled the rest of my life, but if you get me in a meaningless game, you don't wanna you don't wanna mess with me. And last, but definitely not least, she is more of an introvert than people realize. I think I've made that clear, but there are people who are surprised when I tell them that. And I like maybe your class more so than my mm-hmm. class because I was quieter than I am now. And um, I've I just feel like I, I've had to fake it a lot meeting with 70 people and all that stuff uh I I just yeah I don't know if people know how introverted I am um it's a lot I get very exhausted after like monthly meetings and stuff like that like oh same though you know what I mean just like being in the room with a lot of people have being on for that long is just really exhausting the first time I ever met Karen um 
it was finalist day and my finalist day when mm-hmm. I was interviewing and I was fine I was just exhausted like you know how mm-hmm. you get when you if you're an introvert you understand you're just so exhausted I had just done like three in a row and I was just sitting at a table um like by myself just with my head in my hands just completely like I looked like I was probably like sobbing or you're something right. I was fine I just needed to I just needed some head and hand time and Karen being the sweet person she is like came over she's like are you okay do you need anything I was like I'm fine I just need to like close my eyes while the three facts that Kelly chose to share with you all are super enlightening I want to bring up one myself it's not as surprising as the others but it's just as integrated inside of her as the other ones are My first real interaction with Kelly outside of or fellowship events was brunch at Wild Eggs on a toasty July Saturday morning. While we sat across from each other and ordered our respective meals, me, a Mexican breakfast burrito, and Kelly, a sizzling breakfast skillet, we discovered that we had one core aspect in common, writing. So like when you were little, what was like you what, what did you want to be when you grew up a writer always like author always yeah what kind of that author never really changed just like write books i was obsessed with I, I i couldn't have told you why like probably like just be the next jk rowling was my my goal like everything i've ever like found from like first grade so like, what do you want to be when you grow up i write author like yeah is that still something you want to do um i think in the right scenario i would love to pursue that or like if I had an incredible idea for for a book I, I could see myself like doing that on the side and, and working hard on it um it's not something that I've ever like felt compelled to do quite yet but I just think that I've really enjoyed like dipping my toes in the business world these past few years and getting to channel the writing and the creativity in that way through some mm. marketing and things like that um and I think I think I want to keep pursuing that for a little bit. While Kelly was an English major, creative writing and storytelling wasn't a key part of her education. She enjoyed the few creative writing classes she took, but always found she preferred unraveling and dissecting the stories of others in her literature classes. I wrote about um, I wrote about music. I wrote about the lyrics of um, Bruce Springsteen and John K. Sampson, who's another songwriter that I really admire. And I feel like I enjoyed the process of of you know, arguing a point and telling telling that story and trying to create this really robust analysis of their works and connect them in cool ways because it's something I cared a lot about. I'm obsessed with Bruce Springsteen. Um, so I feel like I, I really enjoy that kind of analytical writing. When she said she liked the analytics that came with her major, I asked her if that strategic kind of writing is why she likes marketing so much. I've always in, enjoyed just putting words on paper and putting them together and, and making them sound compelling and I get that totally from my mom um she's a she's a copywriter and I think marketing is so much about telling a story telling a story of your product telling the story in such a specific way that it convinces not necessarily convinces but it it tells the buyer it tells the customer whoever it is everything they need to know and it tells it in a succinct and an effective way um one of my favorite things is like I used to I used to edit my roommates' papers in college all the time, and if Same. they if they were like yeah if they were like this is five pages I need to get it down to three that's like my favorite thing I'm like oh yes like let me add it like combine like you know just condensing papers and um, condensing words and, and making writing more efficient is something I really like which is kind of weird but there's just so much about 
writing for marketing that I still have to learn, writing for business that I, I definitely still have to learn. I can find myself writing blog posts tonight and I start to use like flowery language and I'm like, this isn't, this isn't right. I need to back off and sound more professional here. But I think Sigster is really cool because they're, they do have a, we do have a really fun brand and a really conversational tone in a lot of our content. And so I have gotten to have a little bit more fun there than if I were, you know, writing for a more stuffy, uh, you know, not, not very exciting brand. What kind of writing do you do for the marketing side? So you mentioned blogs. Yeah, so, I, so I'm a customer success manager primarily, um, but I've gotten to work on the marketing team, which is fantastic. I love it. So I get to do some works on the side, and that's ramped up in the past couple months. But yeah, it's, it's blog posts, it's um, case studies. Uh, there's a couple pieces of content that I was really proud of. We did a, content, or a piece of content um, called the Relationship Marketing Manifesto, where it was basically, we, we released a new product a few months ago, and I wrote a piece kind of from the perspective of Dan, our founder, just about why relationships are so important in business. And so that was almost like writing a paper in college. Like I, was, I had an argument, I had a thesis, and I was arguing it in this in this way and that was really fun for me to do so that's probably the piece that I'm most proud of having done but we also did one about or I just put together one about we had a family day a few months ago and it was just an outline of what we did in that day and that was really fun because I got to be really corny and talk about how much our families mean to us and how Sigster's a big family and uh, I got to have some fun with that one too so it's fun. In the future, Kelly would love to pursue some kind of marketing role. Whether it's content writing or copywriting, she'd love to hone in those skills. But there's something else she would also like to keep in mind when considering future careers. I also think that there's a lot that I've learned through or that I really enjoy that I wouldn't have necessarily envisioned myself enjoying in terms of being in leadership positions, um, you know, working with teams like I have, and I get so much energy out of it that I think I'm going to really miss that after OR, and so I do want to find ways to find that in work as well, because I'm really nervous about ending OR and feeling like I'm missing a huge part of everything that's been giving me so much energy in the past couple years, and, you know, making me so amped about being here and this organization and everything, so I got to find ways to keep that going. Kelly alludes to it here, but she is the chief of staff and a member of the fellowship leadership team. Remember at the beginning how Kelly said she was an introvert? I'm not saying that introverts can't run for office, but it seemed a little peculiar to me that someone who claimed to be so shy and quiet as she did would run for chief of staff. So I asked her why she did it. I initially ran for chief because, uh, and it sounds so corny, just because of how much or meant to me and I wanted to give back. So I moved to Indy in a tough time personally and every I, I didn't know anyone in the city um I, co- I come from Notre Dame I'm from upstate New York originally I knew a couple people kind of through school but didn't have any like solid friends here and the way that the community just rallies around everyone and the way that you're instantly feeling involved and included did so much for me and the way that it allowed me to get involved on the marketing team like you're doing like on different teams within or on the back end and, and feel like I was a part of something bigger than myself. They were all things that were so crucial and I was so thankful for it. I have a lot of friends doing other jobs and, and they really like them and they're and they're having a good time, but I also have some friends who 
it's tough to move to a new city and it's tough to not know anyone and I'm able to see how much of an impact or has had and I try not to take that for granted at all because if I had moved to Indy for, for this job and not had that community behind it, my experience would be totally different. There are many fears that come with moving to a new city, especially when it's so far away from family and friends. Nothing is familiar, probably doesn't feel like home, which can bring a lot of anxiety to a young person. For everyone, their own biggest fear can differ, and while this applies to Kelly as well, I found her fear to be very common among people our own age. I think just the making friends aspect is always the hardest thing. It's. I mean, the real world's a lot different than college. You don't have, you know, orientation. You don't have the dorm community that Notre Dame has. There, there's, I came from such a strong community in Notre Dame and, you know, the most amazing friends I'll ever make in my life there. And it's like, okay, what's next? My, my best friends in the world are literally all over the United States. There's no one within five hours of me. My family's eight hours away. How's this gonna work? The way or welcomes you in almost feels equivalent to the freshman year of college in that there are a hundred people who have in are in the same position as you. We're freshmen's right. We're freshmen uh freshman year of life basically. Yeah, we're, all, we're, life. we're all freaking trying to figure it out. But um you know, same positions. We all just graduated. We're all scared of adulting and, and all those things and instantly you've got that support network. And the same way that college freshman year everyone is just looking to make friends and looking to make connections and no one's scared to be like hey I'm going to grab lunch does anyone want to come it's not weird to do that it's not weird to say hey I'm grabbing drinks after work if anyone wants to come like that happens all the time Mm -hmm. in you know in our slack channels and it's so easy to instantly find your people and that was so so important for me And this community Kelly talks about, how everyone was so welcoming and supportive to her, was one of the main reasons she decided to run for chief of staff. When I got to the midpoint of my first year, when we started to think about elections, I would never have considered it um, if it weren't for a couple really influential people, a couple people in the year above me who kind of planted the seed in my head. I would never have considered it. I've never run for a position, like I never did class president I never was interested in any of that in high school and college whatever but I felt so passionate about or and I felt so strongly about what it it had given me that I wanted to be able to create that effect for incoming first years and to have influence there and have a say in how that process works and how that community is built and it's all aspects of it you know I've been talking about the community a lot but feeling empowered by being on the marketing team, feeling included and valued in that aspect. There was so much about OR that gave me confidence in my own professional abilities. I was an English major. I had no business background. I didn't know anything. Um, I don't know if you can relate to that, but I felt very very out of place a lot. And it was so easy to to learn on the job and to, and you know, Sigster had a huge part of that as well. Sigster's such a fun you know, environment. There were about 30 people when I started and we've grown, we've doubled, more than doubled in size since then. So that's been a really fast paced dynamic, you know, really good way to learn business. But OR had a huge influence in that as well. And and getting to own initiatives, I got to own um, the content in some really cool ways pretty early on. And that was, that was awesome for me to have, to be trusted with that for an organization. It's a big organization. We've got, we had 80 people then, we're 112 now. 
that's a big deal to get to put out content for that type of organization and to be trusted with that and learning how how that operates that gave me a lot of insight and confidence into what I was interested in and what I could do Um, so it wasn't just the community aspect everything about or I felt like was adding so much value and I wanted to be a part of making that happen for the first year so it was really as simple as that I just wanted to I just wanted to serve in that way where I could have that influence and, and make great things happen and be a part of making great things happen and support the leadership team as they as they you know perform their duties and, and had influence there as well. As Kelly talked about why she wanted to give back to Orr and be a part of the change, I asked her what some of the goals she initially had in order to carry out this vision and if at the end of her year she felt she had executed them successfully. I think there are certain goals that, like honestly, we have fallen short on. Um, I think the the big growth of Or has been we've been learning a lot on the job about what it looks like to jump from forty two fellows to seventy, and you know we've worked really hard to be intentional in certain ways, but there are other ways that we definitely could have done better. And hindsight's twenty twenty, uh, and we'll be sure to pass that on to the next team so they're prepared for that. One of my one of my goals was to meet one-on-one with every first year. And I think looking back, I don't know if I would have set that goal for myself because it's slightly crazy. It doesn't sound as crazy when you're sitting there before elections writing it down, but... Yeah, it's only 70 people. It's only 70 people. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so trying to set up coffees, you know, drinks, dinners, whatever, with 70 people and have work schedule and have the or schedule outside of that... Uh, it was a lot more challenging than I thought it was going to be. I think I was a little little ambitious, but I I actually had them all scheduled before Christmas, but uh, three of them had to get rescheduled, which I was really bummed about. So I will be done with that by elections. I will have met with everyone. Um, that's awesome. And that's been my favorite part. It's I hope that it's having a powerful effect that I get to sit down with all of them because it helps me know them, and then I hope that they feel known and feel like they can, you know, that they can come to me from there on out with whatever it is, suggestions, ideas, if they're struggling at work, whatever, I do want to be that person. I know I'm not going to be that person for everyone. That's impossible. I'm not going to click with every single person, but I want them to know that as chief of staff, I care about them a lot, and I care about how they're doing, what they can contribute to or what we can contribute to their professional development, and just make sure that they feel known and they feel seen. So... It's been so awesome to sit down with everyone. Like, you and I just geeking out about literature was one of my favorites. Um, but, you know, you guys are all amazing. And you're... It's fun because I'm, like... I'm, first of all, I'm young for my grade. Um, so I think some of you might even be older than me. But I have a late <laughs> birthday. So I am not really any older than any of you. So we're just sitting down as friends. Like, it's... At the end of the day, it's just really fun for me to get to know this many people, and I've made some incredible friends through it, and it's also, from a chief standpoint, allowed me to, to understand who you all are, who you know the amazing 70 people who make up this class are, and, and how that kind of comes together. So that's, that's a goal that was a little bit ambitious, but made it work. I'm cur- I, I doubt the next chief of staff will do that, but I, I've absolutely loved it, and that's been one of my favorite parts is just getting to know your class really well and having that opportunity. 
What has been the most difficult part about being chief of staff or something that you did not realize was in the role and responsibilities that you weren't prepared for? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think the time management gets tough for me sometimes. I think uh, I largely am able to keep it all pretty good, but having a full-time job and the position on top of it definitely has its stressful days. I think there are certain things. I I think there's a lot of things that I knew I wasn't good at going into it, and that I knew were going to be tough. Like what? Um, I don't think I'm a good person at not detail oriented in certain ways, and traditionally, chief of staff doesn't have a ton of team members under the actual chief role since FLT is kind of their team. But we've built out some uh, responsibilities under chief that you know, onboarding, um, diversity and inclusion, some really important things that just make sense right now to be under um, under chief of staff. And managing those types of committees, I figured out, isn't something I'm the greatest at. And so what I'm lucky enough to have been able to do is put amazing people in those roles who are rock stars and are doing it fantastically. But there, there are just certain things. And that's why I wanted to run for chief and not a director position, because... I felt like Chief would let me allow, allow me to be more big picture. And I realized retroactively that that isn't necessarily true. Um, there are positions like uh, fellow alumni engagement that uh, Fitz is doing that, you know, community focus. It's a lot of the things that I was interested in. And I was worried about a director role being too in the weeds and too um, detail oriented. But pretty much all the directors have done an incredible job of building out the teams in such a way that I think better than any year in the past in Orr Fellowship history, that they are truly managing incredible, efficient teams, they're doing a really good job of delegating, they're empowering their teams to do amazing things, um, and Fitz is a, a standout example of that, of just, he's built this amazing team under FAE, and, and he's leading it in a really visionary, big picture way. So I think I was actually wrong about that, that directors are more detail-oriented, and retroactively, I, I can see that. But that was the distinction between directors and chief that I, that drew me more to chief, if that makes sense. Right. So we're getting ready to come up on elections, and probably when this podcast is published, we'll have actually gone through elections. And I'll be done. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Oh what do you think you're going to miss the most about it? Or I, I, I say two parts, so I want two answers out of this question. What are you going to miss the most about it? And then what do you have as advice for the next FLT group? Yeah. Well, they, I guess the answers go hand in hand. I'm, I'm going to miss working with the team the most. The team's amazing. I'm obsessed with them. Yeah. <laughs> they are the most passionate, smartest people I've ever gotten to work with. And every time we have a meeting, I just feel lucky that I get to sit in a room with them because... They're just incredible. <laughs> some of them I knew really well before we got elected to our position. Some of them I hardly knew at all. And I just feel like we, they are such an incredible team. I care about them all as people. I, I admire them. I learn from them. Um, we all, you know, we solve problems together. We, we work together. There's no drama. There's no tensions. I, I don't know how we got so lucky to just have an incredible cohesive eight-person team that's all working towards the same goal and I'm gonna miss meeting with them every month and you know last night we had our meeting and we were it's a two-hour meeting and we sat there for another hour afterward just catching up just talking about life and I'm 
I'm going to miss that. Um, and so my advice to the next FLT would just be to make sure you remember that, first of all, this is a fun job. You're lucky to be doing this. You're really privileged to have been elected to this position. Um, have fun. Don't put too much pressure on yourself. Don't put the weight of the world on your shoulders. I think I can do that sometimes. I know members of the F team can do that sometimes. And at the end of the day, you know, you guys are a forgiving group. If we make any mistakes, it's okay. I haven't seen anyone screw up anything beyond repair yet. Uh, I have definitely messed up a lot of things and the world didn't come crashing down. We're in a really fun place where we can try new things and we can go out on limbs and we're being supported by an amazing group of peers who, if we, if we fail, then so what? We tried, we tried something awesome. So I would say, don't put too much pressure on yourself. And then just remember that as a team, if you can be friends, that's, if you can be friends before anything else, that's the best thing. Uh, we stopped hosting our meetings in, like uh, we used to hold them in the speakeasy or whatever. And we started doing just a, a Pollock dinner for all of them at someone's apartment or at someone's house. And it's the best. We just show up, um, it's once a month and you know, everyone brings a dish and we just sit around, eat dinner and, and go through our meeting agenda. I love that. Yeah. yeah. It was kind of a bummer last night because the first years who were running, we had to sit in and so we had to go back to the speakeasy and we were oh, like, oh, we got no food, no. like we're not just sitting on couches, you it feels very formal. It. Yeah. So it was uh, back to reality, but no. yeah, the team, all yeah. comes down to the team. That's awesome. Kelly talks a lot about what Orr and her leadership team has done for her, but I want to take this moment to say Kelly gives every bit of the hard work, passion, and love to everyone involved. Yes, the organization has influenced her, but I can tell you without a doubt that we have all been positively impacted by Kelly herself. And that's also to say for every member of FLT. By the time this episode airs, we will have gone through elections and a new set of fellows will step up to take leadership roles. But thank you, sincerely, to each one of you for the hard work you have done. It doesn't go unnoticed. Let's begin the beginning. We're lovers and we're losers. We're heroes and we're pioneers. We're beggars and we're choosers. Skirting round the edges of the ideal demographic. We're always on the guest list, but we're always stuck in traffic. At the conclusion of Kelly's interview, I had to ask what she liked most about Indianapolis. She had a unique answer compared to most, and that was the city's skyline. She loves the ramp on I-70 where she can see it displayed before her. How, when you drive away on the highway, the buildings in the rear view, there's this sense of belonging. Even though she has seen the Indy skyline many times now, one of her first encounters of it is her favorite. When she drove home from finalist day, saw the skyline bathed in the colors of a Midwest sunset, and as her favorite Frank Turner song peaked with the chorus, she knew that this place would soon be her home.
Thank you all for listening to another episode of Or Else. Special thanks for this episode goes out to Chris Sheeler, an Or alum who helped record the Frank Turner song that was played at the end of this episode. I knew Proof Rock before he was famous. Other music credit goes to Eddie with All the Way Up, Key Lobot with Rosalie and Senorita. Mm-hmm.